Hello, welcome to Club Call. It is Wednesday the 13th of September. A week Everton play Arsenal. Me and Jack are here. Ped is there as well. You can see me. I'll wave to you right now. There you go. Didn't look like a wave, but it was some kind of gesture. Fair play to you. Fair play. Ned is in the building, but he's... I don't know what he's doing because he ain't making banners, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Jack, what should we talk about while we wait for calls? The, the, the only story at the moment the sevens, isn't it? The seven. I love the way you just... It's the sevens because you can't be arsed. I, I can't it's say seven, seven, seven. seven, seven, seven. Again, it, it's yeah. too many syllables. Too I mean? many sevens? I thought you were going to say. Well, yeah, too many sevens. Mm. I've got seven, seven, seven problems. <laughs> Yeah, that club ain't one. Yeah, that's the only thing really going on at the moment, mm. isn't it? Like you know, didn't even really have any players involved in the internationals last night, did we? Pickford didn't play. Patterson, Patterson got three minutes off yeah. the bench. Mm. Seen someone say he'd got injured, Patterson, and came back off, but I don't think that's true. No. He didn't get subbed back off, did he? I don't think so. No, so I don't know where that came from then. But... Probably people just wanting to put a normal, happy. Happy spin on Everton. Yeah, Everton positivity. Yeah. Is Brownfleet going to be back for the weekend? Has there been any? I think the I think it's a managed absence, isn't it? According to Everton, that was out when when they first came out. Um, I think they said that we knew about it. We sent him there to show him, but it's it's being managed, and he's expected to be fit. So it must be something. He's just got a little bit of an issue and you want to just keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, hopefully he's all right for the weekend because we don't want to start all that nonsense, do we? Keane and Godfrey. And Godfrey hates Arsenal, though, doesn't he? He'd be the one to put in the team. If not, he'd put some um, he's put some meaty challenges on a few of their mm. players in the past. Godfrey, hasn't he? Loves it. Loves it. I don't know what Arsenal have done to him. Maybe it's something <laughs> in like a past life or something. Oh, and he's just, or something. Yeah, and he's just carried that grudge forward with him. But yeah, he's a, if Bramfight wasn't available, he's probably the one I'd put in the team as well, just based off that, off the fact he might smash someone and it might, that might get the crowd up. Yeah. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'd much prefer if Jared Bramfight was available. Absolutely. And by the sound of it, he will be. So we'd that's wa- a boost. We'd want it anyway, just for him on the ball. Because it's... It's going to be a game where we can't give it away cheaply, certainly. And we need some... He was dead calm against Sheffield United under pressure on the ball. And and obviously that means Tarkovsky can can go and attack the ball or whatever. And, and we can use Blantweight that way. But it's going to be, like we said, dinner time. It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Um, but Everton have won five of the last six against them at Goodison. So... Um, Talking to Robbie before, and he was talking about the Goodison case for Arsenal. So that's always good, I think, when when clubs feel like that. When clubs oh, feel like, yeah. I hate going to your ground, and it's always hard, and it's even no matter how good they are, they have that thing in that it, God knows we've got it. We so always lose, yeah, yeah. So that gives you an advantage, and the crowd will hopefully be up for it and lively. And if that's the case, then we can influence the game. Yeah, well, a lot of Arsenal fans have caught onto it as well, heading into this game. I've noticed on social media, a lot of them have been saying, ah, oh, Everton not won all season, Arsenal doing well, um, 
going to Goodison after an international break, the script sort of writes itself, doesn't it? And obviously, they'll be more optimistic than the letting on, they will expect to beat a team who are in the bottom three. But, yeah, it's uh, got a very good track record against them. It's just a shame that that's the only thing we've got to sort of motivate ourselves in this game. It'd be nice if there was something about this team at the moment as well that we could pick out and go, and we're going to win it this time because of this. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. We've got the track record, and, and that's lovely, and that's big, but it'd be nice if we had, oh, yeah, and then there's, there's, there's these five players in the team as well who are going to cause Arsenal havoc, and that's the thing we're missing, isn't it, with our optimism? Yeah, it's, it, it is. It, I think the, the problem is we should really be sat here now talking about us on seven points um, and, and looking at this one and saying, you know, we have got an opportunity at the weekend against Arsenal to keep this good run going because we've been on a decent run. We should have beat Wolves. We should have beat Fulham. We got exactly what we deserved against Villa, which was nothing. But we'd be on seven points now saying if we beat Arsenal at the weekend, we'd go level points with them. That's what we should be, and yet we're sat there from bottom with no, uh, sorry, with one point and ruined the other games. And the two home games, we've had excellent chances in both yeah. of them. And, and be I've l- passed it up. Yeah, there'd be a lot less pressure on this game as well, wouldn't there? Because, you know, we will win games like this at some point in the season, whether it's Arsenal or someone else. At some point this season, we'll beat a team that are much better than us on paper. We but hope. Yeah. <laughs> No, but we do every year and yeah. every every team does it at some point, don't they? But you don't want to be in a position where you sort of have to win those games. And this isn't must win for Everton because it's the stage of the season, but it's almost must win for Sean Dyche. Because, you know, he's getting into dangerous territory now with his records and, you know, discontent is growing in the fan base. So, you know, while it's always brilliant to pick up points in these sort of games... You'd much rather have the stability of winning your winnable games, and mm. you can go into this game where okay, yeah, it'd be lovely to win, but it doesn't matter as such yeah. if we don't. But it's a big game to carry that pressure into, isn't it? Because they're a very good team. So they're the second best team in the country, aren't they? So, but as we've proved again, and we said we've won five of the last six against them at home, and they've had good sides every year basically, and we've still managed to beat them no matter what state kind of we've been in so we've got to do it again and this is the one isn't it this is the been scored at Goodison yet in the league so this has got to be the game we do it the, the exciting thing I think for Evertonians going into it is we haven't seen Beto at Goodison yet so it's, you know it's his home debut Um, I think Dwight McNeil should be fit Dom should be fit Open Jack Harrison is in the squad. So straight away that gives you a little extra strength in depth, doesn't it? Um and we go from there, then. Yeah, and Harrison would be a nice option to have on the bench, wouldn't need to come and attack the game with a mm-hmm. bit of pace. It depends how fit he is. If he's not really fit enough to play, if he's in the same state Dwight McNeil was in when he came on against Sheffield United, where he clearly wasn't fit at all, it's almost pointless having him on the bench really, but if he's just a little bit off being first team ready, I'd, I'd really like to see him on the bench because it would be a great option to have on either flank as well. You know, if you want to bring McNeil off, okay, he's a decent player, but you're limited, and now you can sort of use Dwight McNeil 
off the bench, you you know, you're taking your left side of player off or you're adjusting things to move your uh, current left side of player. So McNeil can go there, it's Harrison, he can play on either flank, can he? He'll probably play him with the striker if there's only five minutes to go and, you know, you're abandoning your formation and just going for it. He's got the pace to play there and potentially get him behind, hasn't he? So, yeah. We will be a different side and we look a different side with the threat of Beto in it. We saw against, you know, we made it, it was Doncaster. He made a big difference that night. But Sheffield United last time out, he looked, we looked totally different. We looked a threat when we were getting it forward to him. He can pick the ball up and run with it. He's good in the air. He's strong. You can knock it in. He can keep it. We have runners off it. Hopefully we'll have done a little bit more work with him uh, over the international break. And he's ready to go. And with the crowd, he'll be energised playing in front of Goodison, of course he will. Um, and that can help us get up the pitch. And we saw the effect Dominic Calvert-Lewin had when we beat Arsenal back in February. We just got him back for that game. And he come in and he made a huge difference that day. He should have scored. He was knocking people about. And in fact, it was only when he went off that day that Arsenal kind of Fresh, started yeah. getting yeah. up, edging back into the game. Um, so... The thought of having Beto there to, to force them back a little bit. Dan Juma travels well with the ball. He's got, he's got two in his last two now, a little bit more confidence. Another player who we can, you know, will will thrive on starting at Goodison with the crowd, with Beto and all of that. And really, if Everton get the structure of the team right at the weekend, then why not? Yes, they're an excellent side. If, if both teams play... At a hundred percent, you'd expect them to win, but they do. You do have it in you. You turn up at these grounds and you're thinking, I "Haven't got a good record here," and you're almost waiting for something to go wrong. And if it doesn't go wrong yet, that's when you break the the little uh, the you know the hoodoo that it feels like you've got at some stadiums. Where for us, we've got to get on top of that early, engage the crowd, couple of good tackles in. Shot away early, get the crowd ready, let them know they're in for a tricky afternoon, and then take our opportunities when they come along. Yeah, play on every little insecurity they might have about playing at Goodison, because you know they're aware of it, they're aware of the fact they struggled there and have struggled there in recent years, so play up to every little thing they don't like about Goodison. It'd make it hard, make it nasty, and you know you mentioned Beto, and he, he's massive for us, like figuratively and literally as well. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a big lad, but yeah, just that uh, bonus of having a, a proper striker who fits our system in the team. And the thing about judging him on Doncaster isn't about how he played well against this opposition, so he must be good. It's that he played so much better than our other players did. Yeah, against Beto in that situation, so like. Regardless of the opposition it was against, it's clear he was an upgrade, isn't it? So it's it's when you can knock a ball up to him and he can get hold of it for you and get you up the pitch. It's when you can knock a ball up to him, he stops and then goes again, and then you're breaking quickly. We will we'll have to get used to not having the ball at the weekend. Arsenal dominate the ball. You know, we should. I imagine seventy percent at least they'll have the ball. It's just the way they play anyway, and and we we'll actually benefit from that. Trying to spring them. It's what we did. <clears throat> it's what we did last year. Um, when it worked, and that's that's the way. That's the way we'll have to go with it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We'll have and to talk for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I've got a blow. No, it's okay. And it better is the right type. 
Pass. Stand there in front of the camera. Sorry, but yeah, Beto's the right type of striker to have for a game like that where you're feeding off scraps as he will try and pick up the ball when it's loose and carry it. And it's going to be scruffy, but I think that suits his strengths probably better than it would Calvert-Lewin's as well. Regardless of who the better player is, Beto would be more suited to picking the ball up in his feet on the halfway line so he can carry it and bring it up the pitch and you know, even if he gets fouled or loses the ball we can pick up the second ball and try and do something further with it and those are the small margins we're going to have to take advantage of especially when we don't have much of the ball absolutely absolutely and and that is a starting point obviously if we go up that's the starting point we can get up the pitch put them under pressure make them feel like they're in a game that's the to me that's the key it's making them feel like they're in a game and it's it's difficult. Sometimes, and I proved it last year, you get the first goal as well. The crowd help you then and then can we pick the up? The Arsenal fans are thinking it's the Everton case, it's this, is that their heads drop a mm. little bit. So, that's what you've got to do. To be honest, it's what we should be doing every game anyway, but that's what we have to do. And we've had the first international break, the windows closed, all of this, it's down to business now got to start getting results and you're right the manager has got to start getting results for himself the team have got to start getting results to settle everything down and not to lose too much ground with everybody we're still all right at the moment luckily they're not miles behind everywhere we're, we're three or four points off mid-table so we're still in touch but if we keep losing then that all of a sudden it's going to be like 10 points to even get near the mid-table and that means that you are you're near the bottom all season, which is a difficult season again. And we, we just can't we can't have another season like we've had the last two. Yeah, because eventually these other teams will start winning games. Yeah. You just have to. And, you know, this stage of the season, a win can lift you seven places up the league. It's very congested. Mm -hmm. Over time, more little blocks are going to form in this league. And you have your relegation group, your lower mid-table group, your upper mid-table group, and then your European places. And then whoever's going for the title, those little blocks are going to start forming in the league very soon. And you're going to have a good idea of whereabouts you're going to finish the season in the next few weeks. You know, obviously things can change and things all develop, but you, you can get an idea of, OK, we'll probably be around 15th to 11th here this season, or OK, we're going to be 16th to 20th. <laughs> no, I, I like the earlier one. Jack, to yeah, be honest, I like that one. That one's a lot better than the one you've just said. Um, but I do, I do feel this season we are better equipped to score goals, and that'll be that'll be key. Um, I think okay, we may end up conceding a few more than we have done, but I think we can score a lot more than we've been scoring in recent times, and and that's all we can hope for, really. Yeah, because we've got the striker that we needed so desperately. Dan Jumer, who's played in this league before and played in Spain and other good league and, you know, always got good goal returns. And uh, Jack Harrison as well, who's got quite good goal returns in his whole time in the Premier League, especially as a wide player in the team. And two out of his three Premier League seasons were fighting relegation. He's always done decent in terms of goals. So, yeah, the players have come in to fix that part of the pitch. It's just have we compromised too much at the other end as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Gary and Brian have said evening. Uh, Dan says, "I know what I know. Dyke is what he is when it comes to structured tactics, but would it kill him to try something new? 
Looking at the interim Brazil boss who's redefining possession-based attacks to the Malmo boss who's taken that on but adding a bit more defensive stability, surely he could try more things. We, Me and Jack spoke about this. He, he is caught at the moment, isn't he? A little bit in between two places, isn't he? He's, he's a, he's tr wants to keep his defensive structure that he's got. But I also think he's trying to be more offensive and maybe be better just sticking with what he knows and getting us solid on a, and playing counter-attack on football, maybe. But the players have to do more as well. Yeah, well, he's tried to move in so many different directions quite slightly and tried to piece everything together to make the perfect football system. But he's tried to move everywhere at once, very little. He's just stood still. Mm. And that's where we are at the moment. We've just stood still. Very little identity. Not been particularly great going forward until the Sheffield United game. Weak at the back. Mm. Very little conviction in the team. The passages of play, nothing like that. Mm. Not solid or organised or not outworking anyone. It's been a very bland, like flavourless team, really, hasn't mm. it? It's been very little to it, very little to point and look at. I know there's the underlying stats and that's all good, but there's little about the actual makeup of the team. Like, what style? are Everton at the moment under Dyche it's hard to identify no it is I mean the positives are obviously we created more chances that's good the negatives are we're, we're giving up too many chances which are resulting in goals and, and we've got to be better at that the players have got to do more can't always it isn't and it never is always on the manager the players when they cross the white line have to do the jobs yes we can look at the manager for the way he's setting up sometimes we can look at him for the personnel he's choosing but they've got a job to do when they cross that that line um, just as much as he's got a job to do to get the best performances out of them. So, but Sunday, neither of them will need. He, he just has to get his done. Him and the coaches have to get the tactics. Like the players have to respond if you can. If you're not up for Arsenal, alone, and like when the you're in the wrong profession, be, aren't you? You just can't. If you're not up for that, you're not good enough for the Premier League. Simple as. Players are not some of the club or the team. Individuals. Go and prove your Premier League standard. Go and perform. And there were some good things at Sheffield United. Defensively, we, we need to be better. There was some good attack and play. Make the right decisions. Dan Juma, when you cut in and it's 4v2, roll it square for a tapping at 1-0. You know, you shoot, you've got a score. You missed and two and three minutes later, it's 1-1. One, one, and it should be 2-0 because we've had a 4v2. You know, and go back to, I can go back to the third minute at home to Fulham and Decore just got a little sweaty sidewards pass for a goal for James Garner and he misses you've got to score if you do not pass it there but why don't you just knock it square for a tapping and then we celebrate and we go back and we do it and it's those kind of decisions that we've got wrong so far make the right decision get the goals well, if we made better decisions James Garner would be our uh, top scorer yeah, he'd be flying so at the moment wouldn't, wouldn't he yeah. he'd be flying Dan also says also for my own mental health I've decided while I'm disappointed with Deitch I'm not going to judge him until 10 games. So we start winning. That's all we all want. Everything else can wait, can't it? But just let's get some wins. That's it. That's the most important thing right now. Uh, Eugene says, remember to smash the like button. And Sean says, seduce the red button with a champagne dinner drinks. And then Rondon says, smash the likes. There you go. Um, there's been some talk that Andre Gomez might move on. This weekend, this week rather, the 15th, which is Friday's the Turkish transfer window shuts. Uh, Fenerbahce 
there was another one as well. I don't know whether it was Traps and Sport. No, was it Traps and Sport? Fenerbahce definitely being mentioned for him. Um, what do you do with Andre Gomez? Do you keep him as part of the squad or do you just let him go to Turkey and get half, potentially half or two-thirds of his wages back? It's one of them, isn't it? You look at how thin the squad is and you go, sure, you can't be letting another player go. But then you look at the player in question and realise they're going to play very little mm. this year anyway and he gets a big wage to be here and do basically nothing. And it makes sense from a financial standpoint to try and get some of that off the books and covered. Mm. I still just think that with the squad as thin as it is, even if Andre Gomez plays five games before January and they're all 15-minute cameos off the bench, we might need them. And it, it shows how poorly the club's been run. We're looking at a player who's on, what, 100 grand a week mm. more? Going, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, keep him if we need him for 15 minutes and that because we might need them. That's something you'd expect from a team who's doing very well. Mm. And you can look at 100 grand a week playing and go, yeah, you might get 15 minutes in there, we'll keep him. We're awful. He's one of our highest paid players, though. Mm. And we're looking at him thinking we might need to include him here and there. So as sad as it is, and it shows how big a mess we are, I do think maybe keep him really? till January. I, I don't want him at Everton. I don't rate him. I've mm. not rated him for a very long time. I think maybe if we're chasing a game because he come on and play behind the striker, maybe he's not playing in that two or three man midfield mm. in a standard role, but it's purely off necessity of how thin the squad is, and the fact that yeah, it would make sense to get his wage covered. There's nothing we could do with it at the moment, and maybe just pay it for a couple more months and wait till January to get it covered, and then actually bring someone in as well. With the money that we're saving, interesting. I don't rate Andre Gomez at all, just for the records. Like, like I thought Tom Davies was a better midfielder than Andre Gomez was for the majority of his time at Evan. Just off the fact Davies might put a tackle in every mm. now and then, and you know if people couldn't look past Gomez's long luscious hair and his ex Barcelona and everything like that. But in terms of what he'd do on the pitch, he'd do very little for us. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think. I think if someone's paying half of his wages, then it is all about money, sadly, for us. I think I'd rather give Tyler on Yango 10 minutes at the end of games. And I'm not saying on Yango's ready because he's far from it. Um, Dwight McNeil's central, maybe, because we've got two wide players. I get what you're saying. The squad is thin and you let another one go, but he's out of contract anyway next summer. And we'll leave the football club. You may, The club may look and go, well, we get... We can save two and a half million quid if he goes. And yeah. it sounds like two and a half million's nothing, but right now, that's key yeah. for us. Now, I, I do get that. I suppose if it was a transfer fee as well, and if he was going to leave permanently, that's what I mean. It'd be a loan, wouldn't it? Yeah, be a loan that he just won't come back from. Yeah, and then come the summer, all his wages will be took up, won't yeah. he? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't want him at Everton. I don't see any future for him at Everton, but... It, the squad's bare bones as no, it I is. Get, I, I get it, I get it. That's why I'm saying it. That it can be a tricky one. Uh, Steve Hardy says, hi guys, not Everton related, but when Ned and Ped were on a Monday, I said I'd be made redundant, completely out the blue. Last week, I was absolutely gutted. They told me to stay positive. Well, it only took me a couple of extra days and I've been offered a job today. Similar role that I had before with a slight increase in salary. Is it right? Off to Turkey on Saturday and hopefully see six points for Arsenal and Brentford while I'm away. Won't hold my breath, though. It's right, Steve. 
Congratulations, mate. Keep smiling. Go and enjoy your holiday. Yeah. In Turkey, eh? That's where you're going. And it'll be roasting, so enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, Anthony says, all right, Baz and Jack, my question is, has the 777 deal got anything to do with the players? And is it just a stadium? Do you mean for the takeover? The takeover? Um, it's just to take over the club, isn't it? They'll want the. We need the stadium finished, obviously. Um, it won't be a case of them coming in with tons of money to buy players with, if that's what you mean. Yeah, I assume he means will we be using the money they bring to the club to buy players? I think. Yeah, if they were our like majority owners, there'd be some money going towards that. But right now, Everton's financial priority is the stadium, isn't it? Mm. That's the big black hole that's taken all the money up, and that's what uh, money needs to be brought in for to account for. So, and anything that happens at Everton, any financial matter, that stadium's at the forefront of it, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Well, we've got a call it. We've got a call it. The bath phone is lit up. Get the one. I know. I wasn't ready. There was no one. No one on the horizon. But there is now, and it is Dave. Go on, Dave. Good evening. How are you? Good evening, Jim. Um, all right. How are you, lads? I'm all right. I mean, you're reverbing. Have you got? <laughs> Can you hear us? All right. Yeah, we can hear you, but it sounds like you're you're on a phone call, on a phone call, on a phone call. Going wrong here. Can you hear us all right? It's you're still bouncing. Have you got anything turned up, Dave? Ned's oh Ned's marching on. Ned's marching here to fix it with like a Ned's just steaming. I'm gonna say look a purpose in his eyes. He has, Annie. Right. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi, uh, yep. Can hear you now. Go on, I can hear you better. Go on, go on. <laughs> what do you want to say, mate? Uh, well, I, just all this nonsense around. Um, I, obviously, I've, I've deleted Twitter for a couple of days because it's just gone completely ridiculous at the moment. But uh, all this nonsense that you can't expect decent owners. <laughs> I, I, and what I mean by that is that, look. No one wants Everton to be in a state where there's arguments and people are protesting for a you know better football club. But I've seen some people saying you can't ask for a better football club and then not once crap owners again. Mm. Surely, you know, they, surely everyone wants decent owners, and it's not a stretch to actually imagine a world where we can actually get decent owners in because there's plenty of examples of them. You said earlier on today, you know, there's there's hundreds of people out there if not more that want you know that, that are capable people that, that could potentially make the football club a best football club one one by the way that we deserve as fans but uh, i've just i've just been really frustrated reading this kind of myth that's developed online that you've just got to accept the first person through the door that's got any money well you wouldn't do that with a football player would you so if you wanted to you know i don't know you thought michelenko wasn't good enough you wouldn't then just say, well, you know, sign another, you know, Danny Rose on a free and say, well, you should want Danny Rose because you didn't want Michelenko. Well, no, 
I want this, you know, a capable left back that, that that's capable of being at the right level that we need. Mm. So you wouldn't do it with a player. And I just don't get this pretense that it's kind of surfaced online that we've all just got to stand in line and pat these on the back and say the world's a better place because it's not Farhad Nasherian and Bill Kenwright. Because let's have it straight. You know, if we don't get the right owners in, then it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. So, what what are your thoughts on it, Baz? He, he was frustrated as me on it. You know, you want to give someone a chance to succeed, but you can't ignore the reality of the situation and the reports that you read when you look at online and you're seeing fans protest all over world football and anyone that 7-7 seven, seven have, have been involved with seem to be unhappy and protesting as well. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as black and white as you can. There's no good owners out there because, like I said, like I've said previously, there's lots of wealthy people in the world who want to get their hands on Premier League football clubs. We spoke to journalists who say we know for a fact there's a lot of wealthy people looking to buy Premier League teams. Spoke. I was at a, a sports conference last Thursday, and there was someone there, a finance fella, saying. They're inundated with wealthy American investors and proper wealthy, not just, you know, a billionaire. Some and they they want Premier League football clubs. So the question is, why aren't they buying Everton then? So what else is going on? Are Everton really for sale? Is there more to it than we know? And I don't mean all these hidden loans, because all these hidden loans aren't real. There will be loans that you have to pay, of course they are, but they're not. I don't believe anyway that they're enough to stop a real wealthy business consortium, venture capitalist group, wealthy owner, whatever, being able to sort it out quite quickly. And that's the reason. Far worse teams in worse financial peril than Everton where have been taken over. So the problem is a lot of people have decided anyone is better than Machiri and Bill Kenwright. And like you said, that's not necessarily the case, not that we don't want new ones, because we do but there must be, Jack, there must be people out there who who can take this football club forward, surely Yeah, absolutely, but it's the old cliche, isn't it, that things can't get any worse, mm. like, uh, they can't go in and do any worse, like, our ownership's been terrible for years, but we are still in the Premier League we do buy the odd player and do spend a little bit of money that can all go away, all of that. So things can get worse, as bad as things have been. Uh, like you say, there are a lot of rich people out there. There's people with money to burn, and there's people who want to be involved in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. As bad as Everton are, and you know, even with all the financial stuff that's going on, and the debt and the loans and everything like that, the one of 20 Premier League teams at the moment, it's an exclusive group. A lot of people want to be involved, and they've got to pick a 20 teams. Uh, for those teams are unaffordable. Another group have just been purchased and won't be sold anyway. So if you're cutting it down to available Premier League teams, mm. it's a very small handful. So yet there's trouble at the club. There's reasons to not want to buy them, but there's plenty of reasons to want to as well. And or even though everything about these loans and everything would seem off-putting, it's to accommodate something that's going to make the club a greater financial asset over time, isn't it? Which is the stadium. So Absolutely. once once that's sorted, suddenly, yes, it's an additional expense up front, but then long term, the asset's a lot more valuable as well, isn't it? So it does pay itself back almost as well, doesn't it? It just takes some time. I think the other thing as well is people forget that. It's Everton, the football club, that'll 
after pay all of this stuff when people go on about Mashiri, oh he's done this and he's put this much money in and Everton have spent this it's the football club that spent the money you know so whoever gets it it will turn it into a more valuable business I don't know whether making money in football is very easy to do I think it's it's almost like a loss leader for a lot of a lot of people but they're normally the people that make that much money that it over time it it becomes not a big issue the money we hear it's eye-watering but for a lot of these billionaires after a few years it just becomes numbers doesn't it um so i think i've heard you talk lots of buzz as well and you know i talk at an organization level where i work is creating a psychologically safe environment for people um you know, creating a culture where people want to innovate, people want to take chances and risks that are obviously mitigated and are managed in certain ways. But we just appear to be a business that has got no self-confidence, is totally risk-averse because, mm. you know, they're terrified of their own shadow. Yeah. The biggest stakeholder, i.e. us, the fans, they're terrified of and, and you know, keep us at arm's length for uh, every given turn. Um, and we've got to get to a point where we, you know that we reverse all of that around. You know that we're taking, you know, with these lads you're spotting in Belgium and other leagues that are out there. We're taking a bit of a risk because we've managed it and we've done our scouting the right way. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're confident in our own skin that the fans know, you know, that we're we're all pooling together to go in this direction because we've communicated that and made it clear. And we were just so far away, but at the same time, as you say. It wouldn't take a genius, I don't think, to come in and to start doing things as we see with Newcastle in the right way. Um, mm. You know, in that culture that we've, we, we've kind of got ourselves in this situation at the moment can quickly change with the right people just attempting to do the right things and being at least being open, honest and transparent with the fan base. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, this, we are at a pivotal moment in, in the club's history at the moment. Um you know, and I look at obviously the fan advisory boards, whether we like them or not, um, whether you're sitting here, you know, shaking your head or nodding. As people know, I stood down from um, fans forum because well, it was the right thing to do to stand for fans and protest and have me own reservations that the football club weren't listening to us after seeing Machiri's interview. Mm. But I think now that the only thing that, you know, likes of the fan advisory boards and the fan uh, forum should be concentrated on is pushing for Everton to do the right thing and Mashiri because he is Everton or something at the moment uh, or he certainly thinks he is uh, but we should be pushing for him to sell to the right people um, and I don't buy into this oh we can't do nothing about it and you'll see you know it, fans have got incredible power um, mm-hmm. we've seen with the Super League stuff uh, the Tracy Crouch report and obviously the fan engagement standards that are in very early days fans can force change um you know and that's for for the better or for the worse sometimes you might get it wrong as a fan base but if we do things for the right reasons then we won't fall too far from where we need to be and i think it's a pivotal time at the moment for us all as a football club and as a fan base that we're all united in asking for a better football club and that involves i think them people who are meeting football club all saying the same things we want owners that are competent you know, we want owners that have got a track record or certainly can prove that they've, you know, that they've got our best interest at heart because that's what it was all about, the Super League stuff and the Tracy Crouch report. And that's why it come in with the, 
with the uh, recommendations is because we didn't want football clubs to fall into into the wrong hands and be treated as a as a way to make money uh, by some of these rich people who didn't have like the communities and the fan base's best interest at heart and the legacy of football clubs. So I really do think more needs to be done on a lot of fronts. Um, you know, meeting meeting at the blue bases was planned. Yeah, I think they had that plan for tomorrow and they cancelled it to talk about are you happy as a fan? Well, let's not talk about that at the moment. Let's just make sure that our football club doesn't fall into the wrong hands mm. and we're not sat here in another five years worrying about, you know, the taxman taking our football club away from us because, you know, we've been asset stripped and, and left the dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree, David. It, it's we're in a we are in a a pivotal moment. I think I, I, I don't personally. I don't believe these will these will take us over anyway. Um, I'm hoping that there is it is a smokescreen for others. I also believe there's there's better people out there that could change the course of this football club for the better. I think the days are gone when you can just hope that someone with 200 billion comes in so you can just spend it. There has to be a plan behind it. And I think in some ways that's actually better for a prospective owner now that you, it isn't a case of 300 million this season, 300 million next season, thanks, 300 million the next season. It, you've got to do it through a plan. You've got to do it through smart recruitment. I actually think that plays into where we are right now, Jack. Yeah, it's a little bit like having like a deposit limit on like a gambling thing, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Like, I know it's a strange analogy, but just work with me here because it stops you from getting a bit over involved and thinking, ah, oh, like, I, I know it's not gone to plan so far, but maybe if I just commit a little bit more, mm. this will be the one. So, yeah, it does force better practice almost, doesn't it? Because mm. it forces you to be smart and to make the right choices and to you know, make the club financially viable. Not from a, I want to make my money back perspective, but on a, this needs to be a self-sufficient business. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Nice one, Dave. I think he's gone. Cheers, yeah, Dave. Lost them. Good call there. And he's right that it, we have got to, we have got to keep an eye on this as a fan base. Um, because it, it, it is a pivotal moment, isn't it? And it, think it does this is just my perspective but we have got to be careful that we're not just saying well you know what anyone's better than these so let's go to them because if we get into that mode and then these next ones are worse than where we are now how do we get out of that one and all that but i i just don't see with with all the information that's flying around about this group peds mentioned it as well with them trying to raise five million for genoa the training ground are they really that wealthy now okay you could argue that they're doing that to include the fan base in it they're doing that to prove that they can raise money it isn't all about going here is more money here's more money but it does make you look and go you know if there's if there was no kind of negative connotations out there about them we'd all be welcoming it going oh they've yeah, got absolutely. these have got six clubs in their their portfolio wouldn't we 
But it's it's just always about context, isn't it? And there mm. seems to be some bafflement amongst people that those of us who've asked for Machiri and Co to leave the club are now saying we don't want these either. Mm. But of course, some people don't because the impression we're getting from 777 is that they may be bad owners. The reason we want Machiri and Co to leave is that we think they're bad owners. Mm. So like, it's not a case of Machiri's done something else separate from football and we want him gone for that. And it's nothing to do with his ownership skills. If you get and rid of someone because you think they're a bad owner then you don't want to replace them with a bad owner do you mm. so it, it is actually quite simple isn't it and mm. that's what dave said and it was a very good point mm. absolutely absolutely but like i say you know i'm not i'm not personally convinced that these will actually be be the ones anyway who who eventually own us make sure you give the video a thumbs up it only takes a sec it helps the channel also subscribe if you haven't we've got another caller it is alex so let's go to alex alex are you there hello alex hello alex no no we'll try and get alex back we'll try and get alex back is there someone else waiting okay Okay, Alex is trying to sort his, uh, his thing out. Simon Creevy says, I'm open 777 talk. Is a smoke screen for someone else to swoop in and take over? Absolutely. Uh, the Blue says, it'll be interesting to see how Beto does up against the centre-back that can match him physically the weekend in Salaba. Hmm? And Nick says, uh, Saka v Ashley Young is the most one-sided matchup. I have no confidence unfortunately, due to our lacklustre fullback play. Last season, we were able to rely on this year. Uh, on our defence this year, we will attempt. Well, scoring goals, isn't it? We, we couldn't score last year. This year, we can. Is there an argument for Michalenko to come in? He played against Saka the other night, didn't he? Mm. Done all right, didn't he, apparently, yeah. yeah. And against them last season, and did well against them. Is he there? Alex, are you there? Alex, are you there? Hello, Alex. No, no. nothing. Okay. Yeah, come on. Let's get. We've got another one waiting. It's going to be Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Screen. I can see Brian, but I can't hear him. Hello, Brian. Yeah, Brian, I can hear you now. Yeah, we can hear you now, mate. What do you want to say? Hmm? Okay. Mm. 
Right, Brian, just pause one second. No one can hear Brian. So we bring in that certain. Now can I shy and me? Can I jack? Can I lots? <laughs> no, no, you're making some good points. So so be ready. Be ready to make them again, Brian, in a minute. <laughs> Hello, Bright. Yeah. Back in there, me. Okay, that's just really off-putting when you can hear yourself. Go on, Brian, what do you want to say? Okay. Uh, I'm about carrying on from what Dave was saying, mm. uh, I know very little about 777, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but my first impression is that there's a bunch of money sharks out for a killing. Mm. Uh, and I, they see Everton as a nice juice chapel ready for plucking because they, um, they see the stadium as the... Uh, the, the big juicy piece which they can uh, get their teeth into, mm. get it up and running, and then uh, sell it. Now, having said that, what business wouldn't do it any other way? But about them being involved in the club, I, as Pat said, I think it was uh, the other day, look at the reaction of the other fans that the clubs are involved with. And that tells you an awful lot. And so for me, that's telling me it's uh, they're very dodgy. I, I really would have to question having anything to do with the club. Uh now the um the thing about Mashiri is he obviously has no allegiance to the club. Mm. These seven 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 people have don't have allegiance to anything apart from themselves and the bank accounts and the profit margins. And as David said talking about the, the community and the and the legacy, that doesn't enter into their thoughts. They're not interested in that. There's all they want is profit. Mm. And uh, if they have to run the club down and in certain ways to build up another part to sell as a profit, then they'll do that. And so I think it's, um, we have to be, as you're saying yourself, you have to be very wary about um, uh, about who is going to be taking over because Mashiri obviously doesn't care about who he is getting let, allowing to get involved in the club. Uh, we had Mr. Kenwright originally who said Machini was the top man. He'd been waiting for years. And he'd say, no, 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 to so many offers. And he's found Machini. This is the man. Well, sorry, Bill, but you didn't get it right this time. No. And it, uh, not just to do with us, enough, I might say, but um, mm. I think we're going to be very careful of being led down the garden path again. Yeah. I mean, I can't really, I can't really disagree with anything there, Bright. Yeah. yeah, I think he's right to be honest. I do get the impression they'd be getting involved with the football club to try and line their own pockets, which you can understand. You know, they're not boyhood Evertonians, they've got no passion about the football club, but mm. there are other owners out there who could potentially come into a club and want to improve it for the benefit of the club. We've seen that, you know, Newcastle's owners getting involved. You know, you can argue maybe there are ulterior motives there, but one of the 
key drives has been to actually improve Newcastle, the football club. We've mm. seen it with a lot of other clubs as well, and the hope is that we'll get someone like that, isn't it? Who's yeah. not just coming in to asset strip the club, but coming in to improve the club and take it on to new heights by putting money in, but also running it in a sensible business model. Yeah, uh, uh, the other thing as well, Brian, is I keep saying it, just reading between the lines and reading what other people are looking at, I just don't see, I just don't see this group having the money to do this anyway. And I, I've seen people saying, oh, they'll leverage the buyout and all that. I don't, as far as I'm aware, and I spoke to a couple of journalists about this, I'm not sure you're allowed to leverage buyouts of Premier League clubs anyway. So, they may well end up, if they can raise some capital, buying a stake in Everton, a minority share in Everton. But I, all of this full takeover, I just do not see it. I've just read something now. I mean, our mate from the Daily Mail, Mac Hughes, is back. Um, he's just said there's not a chance they can get 500 million. They've been trying to raise it since June to, to put a proper offer in for Everton, and they, they still haven't been able to raise it in September because they just don't have the... The, the capital, capital for it. Um, well, if you, yeah, go on, mate. Well, I, I personally, I, I agree. I can't see it being a full takeover. Mm. Uh, but if you compare it with the MSG group, which uh, which is sadly gone by, how much influence would seven 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 have over the club? That's my worry. Because we're talking about MSG having people on the board. Mm. Well. But look at the, these other clubs that 777 involved in. I'm not sure I want these fellas on the board at Everton. Mm. That, that's what's worrying me, the yeah, amount yeah. of influence they're going to have. Um, but a lot because of people... if you want to just do an, make a financial investment, fine, it's business. Mm. Okay, I'll go along with that. Yeah. But my worry is the amount of influence to have over the club. Mm. Now, could it be any worse than uh, what Mashiri's been up to in the last seven years? That is questionable. Mm. But even so... Uh, I think Bashir was in the beginning, he was basically, um, he's been led down the garden path himself by, as I said on previous calls, listening to the wrong people. Because mm. uh, he, he's not a football man. And uh, if he was to, as I said, as being said previously, doing it, putting a proper competent board in place, mm. then fine, he can be the owner, but let the professionals run it. Mm. Now, if he is prepared to, sell this as an investment to some to raise some extra capital, fine, it's business, go along with that. It's just the influence they have. And can he, can Mashiri after that say no to somebody who would not really fit the 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 bill for this job? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I, what do you do? What do you do? There's not really much we can add to it, Brian. It's, we've got to hope that like a lot of people are saying, that somebody is uh, lurking in the background and this is all, not a smokescreen as such, but they're doing the work for somebody else to come in and, and tap it in on the line and, and get hold of it that way. Uh, someone who knows... It wouldn't be the first time they to be done like that in football. Right? Well, it's how Mashiri got hold of the club, if you remember. Exactly. You know, yeah, so, that's what it yeah, so let's hope that that happens. Um, no one's saying very much. They may Sometimes the noisiest ones are the ones who feel like they're not in control of the situation and that might be where 777 are right now. They're trying to push the narrative in to their friends in Bloomberg and other places to try to get Machiri to force his hand, but we'll wait and see um, where we go. 
because we do need someone to come in and to actually get Absolutely. over the football but club. Has Mashiri overestimated the value of the club? Is he asking sure too much? He is. This is another question. This is another part of the question, mm. which uh, could be more of a hindrance than a help mm. if he's overvalued it and asking for more than it's actually worth and it's going to be worth. Then, uh, well, that's down to negotiation, of course. Mm. Mm. And don't forget- just the amount of influence that uh, that new investors will have over the club. That's what worries me. Yeah, but don't forget the other thing as well for like you go, Bray, is that when you're when you're doing business and Farad Mashiri's done this with managers. Many managers have walked out of their interview with Farad Mashiri believing they're about to become the next Everton manager and someone else has been announced as the manager. So he for all we know, he's speaking to people and seven 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 and all and letting them think that he's gonna do a deal with them and hopefully there's somebody else around the corner waiting to do that deal, like I said. So we're, we're still, obviously, we're guessing, of course we are. We're, we're not privy to the information. Everton aren't going to speak about it. Mashiri certainly isn't going to talk about it. Um, all Evertonians can do, if they're really starting to worry about this, is make the feelings known. That's all That's all that can happen. They make the feelings known. But I would be wondering, or I am wondering, why, if these have been in the fight right from the very start, which apparently they have, why Farab Mashiri or Everton's board at the time decided that these weren't the right ones anyway. So if they weren't the yeah. right ones yeah. back in eight, then why are they now? Then they're not the right ones now, are they? So exactly. That's where we are, but fingers crossed, uh, something better will will pop up. All right, I'll let you okay. see you've got a couple of callers lined up, yeah. so I'll say have a good evening. Thanks okay. for the chat. Thanks for the call. In touch. Right. Take care, mate. Bye bye now. Um, have we got someone else, Ped? Alex, Alex, are you there? Hello, Alex. Is Alex real? Is Alex like 777? Seven, seven, seven? Operating MSP? in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Is Alex like the Q80 consortium waiting with the 400 billion? Oh, oh, here it comes. Hello, Alex. Someone's ringing someone. Hello, Alex. I think we're just going to be listening to someone's completely unrelated conversation yeah. oh, here. Have you been sold PPI by <laughs> mistake? Okay, Alex has Alex has swerved it. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think that the general theme is seven 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 aren't the one the fans want so far, and I think a lot of people have. A lot of Evertonians will feel the same. We just want someone who's going to be able to come in and, and to drive the football club forward because it's you know it's been run so poorly, hasn't it? By far, Abnasiri. Yeah, and like Brian was saying, and like Dave said as well about football and people in charge. It doesn't matter if your owner's a football person or not. But bring in people to oversee it who are mm. um, and make it in their best interests that this football club works well. Because Mashiri mm. knew football people, he had football people in his ear, like his agent mate. He's a football person, but it was never in his best interest that Everton does well. He was just always trying to get his paycheck and get his players sorted. Mm. Bring in people like your director of football and like people onto the board and say, Look, I, I want you to make this club work. If it doesn't, you're off, you're mm. sacked. You know, make it um, put people in charge that you trust, sit down with them, understand their vision. If you believe their vision, you see a successful path for it, bring them in 
and give them control, but you know, also make it in their best interests that it works. Yeah. Don't Absolutely. just be influenced by people who couldn't care less if the club works well or not, because they're not going to if they've got nothing at stake. No. Absolutely right. Uh, Gavin says the other alleged interest is from Asia. One would assume it would be Chinese investment, but I thought the government had stopped investments in football. Chinese governments invest in football. Um, well, I don't know. I think there is interest from China, and I think uh, the problem is because they have got links to the government, that's what's difficult to get through. Um, I think they'd be worried about it. Um but we'll see, won't we, with that? There is other people. There was a report yesterday that there was 777 were part of three separate American groups who were interested in taking over Everton. So where are the other two then? And hopefully if the other two are, they're letting 777 do the dirty work, how much he wants for it on all of the groundwork, and one of them will sweep them do the running. The... Because, the, again... The, we told last week at a business conference, it wasn't just me that the fella told the whole room. He was doing a presentation. Just how many wealthy American um, groups want to buy Premier League football clubs. And the value of Premier League football clubs is so cheap compared to, Over to American NFL. franchises. Well, about NFL franchises. He talked about Manchester United being available for five or six billion, yet that was still cheaper than Washington Commanders, I believe they're called now. Them who were the lowest ranked. Uh, sorry, the cheapest franchise, which was something like six, seven billion. United were, was cheaper than that, even though now the Glazers are saying they want 10 billion for it. Um, so he was saying Premier League football clubs are a fraction of that. So there's lots of interest from these people. Well, Everton are a, Everton are a huge football club in, in England. They are, whether people will go, no, they're not. Well, they are, historically they are. They're still a fourth, still won the, the championship the fourth most times in history so there's still a big club there's a stadium on the way there's a huge fan base ready to pop there's a lot of good things about good getting your in America, no they're known globally there's the option to get involved and, and build that and I, I keep saying you know if you're if you're looking you're an american consortium american um you know vc group if you're looking at everton and going well all right so Man United was five, six billion to get hold of. Granted, biggest club in the world, understand that. But American projections is that Premier League clubs are only going one way. Um, so therefore, then you look at it and go, okay, well, I keep saying it, but I'll say it again for people. You get hold of Everton for 600 million, say. You're right the debts off as in pay off the debts and finish the stadium which might amount to four even though they're saying the 100 million is going to finish it let's say it's another 100 million and you clear the debt say you get older the club and it's a you've got older the club now for 1 billion and there's no debt on it. it's 1 billion and you commit 500 million to the team to running and the team over the next five, six, seven years, because we wouldn't be able to spend that every year. We just with the way but it it's is. Accounted for over but you're long going, time, isn't it? There's going to be capital there every year, so you can plan and start building. You might outlay 1.5 billion to get a team with a brand new stadium that's full, with a fan base now that are engaged because you're coming in and saying, "I want Everton to be at the top. We're trying to win the league." 
even though it's difficult to do, you've got to have that aim. Newcastle are saying it. You've got to have the aim. And you do that, you could have a football club with a fan base that's engaged, fan base that are buying things and creating more money, a good team that's in Europe for £1.5 billion, and yet that's still four, four and a half billion cheaper than an NFL franchise value of a club because the Premier League is going that way, which is north of that. So you've got 1.5 billion and in five, six, seven, eight years, Everton might be valued at 2 billion because every other Premier League club's valued at one, two, whatever. For that outlay and over that period of time, that's a small outlay for a big, big venture capitalist who own the football club and own the stadium. And if Everton's value does start going because Premier League clubs do become 1 billion, 2 billion, over a period of time, you're going to get that money back anyway if you want to sell it and move on or, or whatever. So that's how, that's how the fellow was explaining to us, even buying a club for one, one and a half billion. It's a, that's a shrewd investment for a VC group. Well, it's like when Beckham first moved to MLS and part of his contract was he'd be able to buy his own franchise exactly. and he agreed it at the set price that it was then mm. and by the time he'd retired and actually came to set up into Miami, that at that point was that a guy. bargain, mm. wasn't it? And football's going to go the same way because football's getting bigger again. They're having the second boom period in America, mm. aren't they? After the Beckham move, because now yeah. Messi's there yeah. and they've got the Apple TV stuff going on and it's probably the biggest it's ever been in America right now, mm. over in Asia as well and in the Middle East you've got uh, Saudi, the Saudi League, mm. uh, the Qatar League as well, have just made a big acquisition in Marco Verratti, okay, it's yeah, not a Ronaldo yeah. level, but if that's a sign of Coutinho's intent... has gone there as well. Yeah, so Players if there's like a you know, the sign of intent from that league, so football's getting bigger in that region of the world, off the back of the World Cup as well, so football's getting even more popular. Mm. Premier League's the biggest and best league with the most media attention. The value of clubs is going to go up. Now, what would probably help Everton's valuation and attractiveness to a buyer would be a season of stability as mm. well. Because part of the reason owners may be wary to invest into Everton is the threat of relegation, because the value of a championship club is much less than a Premier League team, isn't it? Mm. And I think that's why we're seeing more owners buy into teams in the lower divisions. Course, as well. Yeah. Obviously, there's the passion project element there. I think clubs like Wrexham, it wasn't just for how cheap the club is compared to... Other, t- other more expensive teams you're thinking we can buy this cheaper and put the money in and in five years we can be in a position and have spent half the money we would have had to done to have bought this club in the first place but yet as it stands championship clubs the value is just massively off isn't it so the season of showing no we're in the premier league and we're not going anywhere that would i think massively make buyers think a bit more of um, eagerness to invest in Everton but no you're right there, there will there's always that because you want your investment to be a safer bet of course you do but there is that opportunity to grow it and that's what we're saying it's the thing about it is because owners can't come in and just splurge a load of money now it does have to be a planned acquisition but things are growing the Premier League they're talking about um, the next Premier League rights potentially the Premier League moving into selling their own deal, but in partnership with someone like Apple, who've already got it set up, and they've got everyone's got an iPhone, it's distributed to your iPhone, which means it's everywhere all over the world, they haven't got to try and set new infrastructure up. And the Premier League, they're saying, the Premier League and Apple believe that they can make around 10 billion a year from it. Now, Premier League, 
right at the moment of sky and everything it's dropping okay so th- this again this like predict financial fellow was like it ain't gonna get any higher because the competition's gone so you're not gonna you don't continue to keep paying a, a bigger premium when there's no competition so they i think it's something like 2.3 billion they got over like three or four years of the premier league say and say they get another 1.2 billion from overseas rights that's three and a half billion 3.6 billion apple and the premier league get 10 billion between them and there's a 50 50 or a 60 40 split for the premier league because it's their product and apple are like sound we're getting a nice four they're making more money in one year than they do across the whole deal anyway even if it was 50 50 over that three-year period where they're getting 2.3 billion off sky they'd be getting 15 billion over that year period so it's it that's where these this financial predict the fellow was saying that's where it's going no one amazon have dipped the toe in and they're a bit like can we afford to take it on it's still a big thing others have had a little look at it and gone netflix have got no need for it they've got a different thing but Apple won it and have got the means to distribute it everywhere. And a test on the water. And a test on it anyway. They've got MLS. So if they've got MLS and the Premier League, they're, they're kicking it, aren't they? So therefore, for the Premier League to go, actually, yeah, we'll own our stuff. You'll do it all. We'll split it. We're making three, four, five, six times the amount we were making. Yes, please, sign us up. And by the time that happens, that will presumably increase clubs' value as well, exactly. won't that it? That was cause... where it was going with it. So, the, so everything's moving north. So if you've got older, and there's not many Premier League clubs for sale now, there's not. So Everton are, and they're still a big club, they're still a big name. Everton is ripe for plucking, which is why the likes of 777, MSP, are so interested. If they had no forecast that said this, why would you be interested in something that isn't going to make you money you don't buy Everton and in and it makes you money immediately because Everton are getting prize money and they're always up there. You buy it because you know that you're going to be able to flip it again because the price is going one way. And that's why these people are interested. Is it Alex? Have we got Alex now? Fair time's the charm. We can hear you now. You're here. We've made it. I know what it is. It's fine. Can... Okay. Finished the international break. The last time I called you, we were it was before we bought Beto. Okay, yeah. And I was really against the Che Adams deal. Mm. It actually turned out that one of the dads of my uh, son's uh, under seven football team is actually one of the agents that represented him. Okay. And he said that was a done deal until we went after Beto. Right. It was. Uh, and so. To me, I look at recruitment and think I was super disappointed at the, on the last day of the window that Alex, we hang on, just put. Is it okay now? Sorry, go on, carry on. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. Just saying I, I, I was really disappointed on the last day of the window. Yeah. But when I think about, Chad Adams would have been a player we would have bought previously, and we go and get a player like Beto. I appreciate needs to prove himself, but on what we've seen so far, looks like a more direct goal scoring striker which mm-hmm. is what we're desperate for so and and then I, I had a quick look at the squad and thought do you know what if we are I, I know there's certain players like dcl who always have injuries but if we didn't have terrible luck with injuries we actually wouldn't have a terrible bench you know you, you you're you're looking at players like harrison james garner patterson if we're if and when uh, sheamus comes back you, you're not going to have a bad bench and it, it it made me think that 
there are certain players in our team that need to play back their self, themselves back into form. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving excuses out to players. They get paid a lot of money to be top performing professionals. Mm. But there's players like Mikolenko, maybe Godfrey, you could argue, Patterson definitely, who all they've experienced in their time with us have been just turmoil. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wonder whether, you know, if we can start to put some fixtures down with a, a stable squad up till January, we, we need to start to see these players play into form by making them play for their places, having a stable situation where they play in their, their right positions. Mm. And then we can genuinely see whether they're up to it. I, I don't think Miklenko is. Um, I think maybe Godfrey had a good season because no one was in the stadiums when he was playing. But we need to see, right? We need to see if these guys are going to make the grade. And this, I think this is the last season for actually all three of them. Maybe Patterson, there's been enough there, but certainly Mikolenko and Godfrey in defensive positions. But it's interesting because they're all defenders, right? And they're probably the areas where we've just been so nervous as a team that we need to... I feel that we've got a good enough squad now and I feel that we need, we've got a position to uh, get some good results with them and start to play some of these players that have just been off form, back into form, in a stable team that's getting you know some wins, some draws, rather than just getting hammered all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right in terms of people needing to play themselves back into form, um, and I think if we had just like an average injury record this season. We'd, pr- we'd probably be all right. We'd have some good variety. I think people are just worried because I think a lot of Evertonians, have we've seen a lot of Michael Keane um, and we know that his form is up and down, if I'm being kind. Ben Godfrey just isn't the same player as he was a couple of years for whatever reason, whether it's just him never playing enough, so therefore he's, he's, he's stopped doing what he was potentially good at. I don't know. But those two don't exactly, well, it feels like, don't exactly inspire Evertonians to, to have full faith in them. So I think people are worried about that, the centre-back position. Mm. Um, I think since, like, up front, I think we've got Beto, we've got Dom. If Dom can stay fit, and obviously Yusuf Chimiti is kind of learning the rope, so he, he's obviously striking number three. I think we've got some decent... Decent competition there, I think. Harrison, McNeil, Dan Juma, a, a decent for two of the wide positions. Uh, potentially one of them. Dan Juma or McNeil could play inside as well if you wanted someone off the striker. I think we're okay in midfield. I'd have liked another one, but I think we've got Onana, Decorey, Gay and James Garner. I think that's mm-hmm. okay in there. So I think if, if as long yeah, as we're and, all right... Maybe and Delhi, maybe, yeah, you know. And also right back, we've got Coleman, we've got Patterson, we've also got James Garner that can go there. I think a lot of people would have liked another left back, a centre back, and a centre midfield player. And I think if they'd have got another three, and that would have been a bit greedy, but certainly a cent- one more centre back would have, I think, pleased a lot of people. But I don't think it's too bad. We just have to hope yeah. that our injuries are average. Jack? Yeah, I think it's an interesting point because it, personally, I 
don't rate Mikhalenko or Godfrey particularly highly. But you're right, Mikhalenko especially, he's only known chaos, hasn't he? Mm. And maybe if he was at the club in a less turbulent period, we would see a better player. Same for Patterson. Patterson yeah, had played 12 games or something when he came. And he's only known injury and chaos. And he, he's still only played around 30 games as a professional footballer, as he's a senior player. So, yeah, there is that. And... It look like I say I don't rate Michalenko particularly highly, but maybe it would be slightly more fair if we could see him in a more comfortable environment. Will he ever get to be part of that? I don't know, but you're right; it's an interesting point, definitely. Mm. Just um, just one thing that came on the takeover stuff. Um, I, I I heard on Sky. I don't know if this is true, but they were saying that in the last three years, ninety percent or more of our turnover has been paying wages. Yeah, that's and so, that's correct. So it doesn't matter if we had the most rich of rich of rich. You can't spend money, right? Mm, yeah. It's, it's... So, so the, the bit that I don't get is why would someone be trying to buy us when, as it looks right now, and I appreciate there's only a handful of fixtures been played, it looks like we could be odds on to go down. What? Why? Why would someone be buying us unless they thought that we could be a distressed purchase for them? At which point you're not, you know, it's, you don't go into an Apple store and negotiate on buying an Apple phone, right? You only you only make those decisions if you think you're going to get a deal. Mm. Uh, and and we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about Newcastle, but part of what made Newcastle so attractive was Mike Ashley ran them so tight that there was so much leniency and financial fair play for them that they could actually buy players mm. when when whoever it is came in. Back to your point, um, Baz, I think the lure is, is actually Liverpool. <laughs> you know, you've got Liverpool on one side of the city, mm. which is the same thing that lured um, the owners into Man City mm. to to take Man United off their perch. Like, I, I just think for all the things you talked about, someone's already taken the effort to make the stadium. We've got this great history. We've got a massive fan base. We've got Liverpool round the corner. Um it has to be a better profile of person. Uh, and with all these people that have been indexed to Manchester United who are silent bidders, surely we just go to the rain group and say, guys, come on, let's do a deal. Oh, without a shadow. We're, we're Everton. Yeah. And, and I just I just can't make any sense of it. And I can't understand why 777 would be buying us now if they could buy us at the end of the season for 50% less. If we went down, just doesn't make any sense. I don't. Yeah, you're right, but they probably sat there thinking we'd go down last season and we didn't. So we are like, as Ped said, we're like cockroaches, aren't we? We we do survive. Um, I think it's a risky play to wait, but other people will be in the conversation. And you're absolutely right. What what Everton would hope is that they had to disrupt the group. You see Liverpool and go, well, we can almost get reflective glory off them as well because they are one of the most famous football clubs in the world we want to go in there and start bloodying their nose and, and, but you only yeah. do that by having I think Mashiri wanted to do that originally and I think Ulsmanov wanted to do it and that's why they purchased the uh, the live building things like that they wanted to really make the presence known in the city but obviously there's a lot of stuff that's happened which means that that's that can't continue or certainly at the moment. So for somebody else, it would have to be someone who, who thinks, well, they're a huge club and we're going to go in and make some noise around that. That's generally either 
a Middle Eastern one who wants to go, we've got more money and power than you, or it's an American one who wants to fight. With ambition. Uh, with ambition, and obviously there's FSG, who own Liverpool, American investors. And if Everton are bought by an American investor, that'll be 10 Premier League clubs who are American-owned, won't it? So, Even someone like Jim Ratcliffe, you know, yeah, yeah, but he's by Man United. Yeah. You, you put a bid in for Chelsea, but he's a United fan, isn't he? Everton. He's a Manchester United fan, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He, he's one available. There's, there's three or four of them who had the money for them. There was three who had the money for Chelsea. That's what I'm saying. There's these now, okay, you might argue that Chelsea and Manchester United are a they're in no threat of being relegated, of course, they're in Europe, the big clubs known. Chelsea aren't in Europe this year, but in general, they're in Europe, aren't they? And the well-known clubs. But Everton, like we've said, and like a lot of people have said in the comments, uh, are wait, they're there, and it wouldn't actually take that much. Just do things correctly. This The fans will drag this football club along. If they believe in it, they will drag it along. They'll support it. They'll buy more stuff. They'll put more money in. The club will make more money. You said something that was really important, Alex, and that was like 90% of Everton's turnovers on wages, and that can't continue. No matter who owns you, that can't continue. So that needs sort. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's 90% anymore. I no, think it was come over, down now, like, but over the period, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have got rid of a lot of high yeah. earners. It's got to keep coming down, though, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, what a silly way to run a business, by the way. Mm. Any business in yeah. any capacity, especially one where your financial losses were regulated and used against you if they mm. go over a certain period you know money was accounted for 90 percent of what we could spend was accounted for already before we'd even brought in anything new just mm-hmm. off running the club and yeah. that's just one basic function there's still day-to-day running there's still a million other costs to get through before you um, get into that 10 percent mm-hmm. that you've actually got available to actually spend on players but I live down in London and all I ever see is kids walking around in Man City shirts so it'd be amazing if in five years time we could see some kids walking around in Everton ones other than my son who goes to school and gets, tells me that he's singing with other kids singing these songs about you get battered every week so oh. we live in hope down here that, that things might change but yeah appreciate you having me on keep the faith Alex nice at, one, some, Alex. at some stage it'll get better mate come on keep the faith Cheers, good boys. lad thanks for your time nice one thanks mate one, thanks for the call bye, take bye. care pal bye is there anyone waiting, Ned? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Who is it, Zach? Not Hello. Not Zach, is it? No, it isn't. Hello, Zach, you're all right? Hello. How you doing? All good. Thank you, Zach. All good, Zach. How are you? Good, good. Thank you very much. First time caller, long time listener. just want to say what great work you guys do. Everyone drop a like and subscribe <laughs> while you're here. Thank you, Zach. Where are you calling from? I am in Canada currently, but I am from the UK, so I'm not one of your silly Americans calling. <laughs> I'm, I'm a local. I just am an expat now. Okay, fair enough. From where? Say it again, sorry. I'm in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. New Brunswick, okay. Yeah. Whereabouts are you from in the UK, Ned wants to know? Um, my dad lives in Runcorn. I was raised oh, in Warrington. Right. There you go, Warrington. There ah. you go. She. I see. I hear it's a little Former northwestern yeah. twang holder. then as yeah. well. Former season ticket holder. Come on, boys. There you that, go. There's, there's, there's like a little twang, be... but that's all good. That's yeah. all good. Go on, mate. What do you want to say, Zach? Uh, I had a quick question. I yeah. wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts on about going to a four-four-two to maybe up the offensive production because I don't see any of these wingers picking it up enough to kind of equal Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So what are your thoughts on putting him and Beto out at the same time, seeing what they can do? 
Uh, I think it's something that the manager will do at some stage. I'll be honest. I see it more as a home formation than away. Mm. I think. I think when Jack Harrison's available again, and when Dwight McNeil's available again, I think it will improve with with two wide players. James Garner is not a wide player in any way, shape, or form. No, um, absolutely not. So I think, uh, oh, you know, a four-three-three with Harrison one side and. Dan Juma the other or McNeil the other would change it but I do think at times we may well see a 4-4-2 with Beto and Dom at home my yeah. thoughts on it are really just because um, it's not like the midfield three is setting the world on fire as no. a midfield three right now. So if mm. we had a compacted, you know, like Onana gay kind of thing in mm. like a 4-2-2, then you never know. Yeah. Or 4-4-2, sorry. No, I almost no, said a bully. It will be 4-4-3. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I like the idea of it. I was thinking about it earlier today, actually. I was thinking mm. about the midfield partnership, and I think that had quite uh, complements Onana and Isagana Gway quite well. Mm. I think they'd work well together. The only issue for me is, and this is especially away from home, I don't know where it'd leave Dan Juma. Mm. I don't know how Dan Juma would do as a left-sided midfielder in a 4-4-2. Mm. He might actually have to be one of the strikers in that situation, but then the whole point of... Yeah, but I'd like to have Dan Juma in the team. You know, he, he does bring a lot to the sides. Um, it's a lot to yeah, give up. Yeah, he's got the pace too, right? He's got yeah. the pace. And, but then the whole point of playing 4-4-2s to accommodate uh, Beto and Calvert-Lewin, isn't mm-hmm. it? So yeah, it's... whip some balls in. Get, them, yeah. get the balls in the air for them, yeah. Think about it at home. Real, you know, Theoretically, there's this thing, there's this belief that you can never only play with two midfield players anymore. But if you've got two strikers, you can because they're occupying their defence. A lot of teams trying to build from the back. We got two strikers splitting the work. Your two wide players are fine. You should always, you can always be set with six at the back <laughs> with yeah, two midfield, yeah. and that leaves you with four. If you go, if you got two strikers like we've got with Dom and Beto, who are going to be big and strong and battle for everything, <laughs> then at time I don't want to see it all the time. But you can miss the midfield as long as your wingers push high, and then one of your fullbacks can push high. You're never getting outnumbered. As long as you got, if you had four back, you're never getting outnumbered. If you had three, arguably you're never getting outnumbered, really. So I think there'll definitely be games where that might, you know, against Manchester City at Goodison, are we ever going to have the ball in midfield? No. So is it better for us to go back to front quickly with two big target men and have one running off the other? I'd suggest it would be. Put a little pressure on that back three, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Three five two could work at times, but you'd have to make sure you get the three right. But I think, uh, you know what, Zach? I think at times there might be the right way to go for us this season. Not all the time. I don't think we could away from home. I will question it. I think you need the extra midfield man away from home, and you need your two wide men to have a little bit of both and a little bit of pace. But it's I, a sub option yeah. too, though, right? If we have a hold of a Absolutely. game and we're away yeah, exactly. or something, kind of bring out the core, bring on Dom, yeah. right? And even at home. If you've got a four four two going and you for an hour you pound on them and then you wanna conserve it for kind of like the last twenty, twenty five, you can take one of the strikers off, drop them in field in it, and go four five one and get over the line. You have more presence in the middle exactly, of the Exactly to get to keep older the ball in. So I think all of this will help Sean Dyche because he's not a you know, I'm not a huge fan at the moment because I think he needs to prove himself, but he's hardly had any real options either. To, well, to, he's in my opinion, he hasn't proved much. He's got to, he's got to step no, up. That, that's what I'm saying. But if it, it, Dom's fit again now, which would be good, and if we get Jack Harrison, who I think will weigh in with more goals than what a Wobie did, yep. 
then that'll yep. be good. Dan Jume has got two in his last two and is looking like he's he's getting fitter. That's good. Dwight McNeil, who was fantastic towards the end of the season. We get him back now and he's fit. So he's gonna have more options. And with more options yep. gives yourself the opportunity to try to try yeah. new things, doesn't well, it? Well, I think the important thing, Zach, that even if we don't go to it all the time, it is absolutely a viable option, isn't it? And that's something we haven't had for a long time. So now we're actually in a position where there's one or two different ways we can actually play. Mm. And it's been a while since we've actually had two decent strikers at the club at one time yeah. as well, hasn't it? Or so, one. Mm. Or one. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. No, but that's it, isn't it? We've actually got at the moment, we've almost got two lads who when they're both fully fit you're not sort of if you're only playing it one you're kind of going oh what's done today okay we've got better sub then and yeah if it's better or done so you're not going it's got to be dom's got to be fit or better you, you've got to right. get an hour out of dom that's the thing you know another can't... quick question i had yeah, was go on. Uh, like i'm at work so the other problem i've been <laughs> trying to call in for probably three months but i work every wednesday and we're four hours behind so it's never happened before ever okay. i tried I made it happen today. Excellent. My quick question would be, what month do you think would be the best month next year to come over to get my farewell to Goodison in? Well, they're talking about, there's no guarantee that we're definitely right. going to leave, but there's no guarantee that we're not going to leave either. And they're talking about the stadium being finished by December. So if it was me, I'd be aiming. Early season. I'd yeah. be aiming October, November time. Because we won't have moved by then. September's a nice right. month because it's, it's a bit mild, so like 12 months' time. But Oh, come on. Any, for me, it'll be warm, Baz. It'll be roasting for <laughs> you, mate. Yeah, coming from there, North Canada, absolutely. But um, yeah, any time between September and November would be a good time, mate. So whatever you can do in terms of work and get over and check the fixes and all that. But um that'll be a good time to come over especially if they do announce that they are moving in kind of December January you'll have, you'll have got right. one of the last few games ever at Goodison Park so that's what I want to do yeah I want to come over and take that the one last game in, Yo, the, in the old stadium you've got to you've got to do it make it happen make Will it do. happen appreciate it fellas I will nice try one, again Zach. some other day when I'm at work but it. uh, it's tough but I'll call back sometime guys appreciate do it. it take care See have a good day one. take care Zach too, tomorrow, mate. have a good one fellas bye Peace. mate call there from Zach the blue says I think Baz thought his little mum was going to unload and everything I actually didn't <laughs> know if it was going to be him about to just dad what's for tea no no it'd be <laughs> it'd be it'd be fuming yeah it could have been anything could have blamed Dyche me for the Sunday could be anything who knows what I'd say Um, yeah a few people are saying you know last half an hour you could have Beto and alongside Dom, other people saying Dan Juma can go alongside one of them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I just think the whole point of the four four two would be Calvert Lewin and Beto, two wouldn't big, it? Two yeah, big, the, powerful the presence. I just worry about Dan Juma in like the flat midfield with his track and back. He does track back though. We had get we had Damari Grady. Yeah, but Come there's on. a reason why he's not there now. No, we know but I'm saying we did. Yeah. Um it, it depends on the context of the game. Of course, like it, listen. It, that's it's, why it's an option. We've just said it's options, isn't it? For the first time in a while, not just Sean Dyche, but an Everton manager could have a few different options. Probably since Carlo had, like, Richarlison, Dom, Bernard, James. 
you know, they were some decent options. Everton have been thin on the ground since then, so we've got, a, you know, having different players, that's what you need, isn't it? That's what you need. Um, Sambo says, Maupai to score a hat-trick this weekend. Probably will. He'll probably get a brace on his return and it'll be like, we didn't give him a chance. <laughs> Being the number 10, which is his perfect position. Um, Peter Finn says, did you know there is no relegation in Mexican football? I didn't, but it also doesn't shock me because there's none in America, is there? Mm. So, um, yeah, nice fun fact. Jason says the stadium, the guarantee we, the, what guarantee do we have that this isn't the prize? The club is just an inconvenience to get hold of it. Because how can they get hold of it? They can only get hold of it with the money, and there's a lot of like there's massive doubt, Jason, around seven 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 being able to get any of the money. But we'll see. I. I I don't know. If they can't get the five million for Genoa's training pitch, they might struggle to get five hundred million to buy a football club. It's just one way of looking at it, like. So, isn't it? We, we just have to see. Um, what happens? We'll just have to see what happens with it. It's gonna go on for a while anyway. Even if it was them, they'd have to get the money together to agree that the sale then they'd have to agree the sale prove they've got the money and then it'd have to go to the Premier League and then the Premier League can take however long the Premier League don't have to pass it if they don't feel and at that moment Evertonians might be like nah we ain't having this not having it we don't want these people to could be protest whatever whatever it is um, and that could sway the Premier League to go the fans aren't happy with this. Why are the fans protesting if it's and all of that? Do you know what I mean? So right now it's still just, um, it's still just the thing of who knows, isn't it? Yeah, even if it is gonna happen, it's gonna take time to happen, isn't it? So the situation's gonna develop further from what we know it as now, isn't it? Let's hope that we keep, like we keep saying, let's hope there's others, there's others yeah. here who are who are maybe better suited to Everton who we can all really get behind and go, yeah, you know what, this is gonna, this is gonna get better. You know, we can see a plan, we can see a pattern. What's going on here? Um, or a, a random good honest Evertonian finds two billion quid in cash down the back of his couch and decides what he's going to do with it and goes this is all I've got but I'm but I know that went 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 as well not once went I hit 1.6 billion of it of this money and I own the club the ground and I've put half a billion or more into that team Everton are going to have glory because it's going to be amazing and all done in two years two years we're going to be partying on the channel it's like that we won 7-0 again at the weekend it's going to be incredible Chimitty got six. They're they're gonna be the days. The captain Michalenko scored a free kick. Be amazing. I hope so. What's that, Ned? What mate? Oh, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, Frank uh, Frank Wood says Alan Miser stated the investors have paid a hundred million. So Everton to finish uh, off the payments for the stadium. That was MSP. MSP that was, money yeah. alone, yeah, to do that. So, um, mm. 
Uh, Gavin Johnson says, just seen a report that we might move for Zeka, who's a free agent after being released by Wren. Hope this is true. We need another body in midfield. I did Portuguese, lads. Um, mm. I'm not too familiar with him, no. Mm. Um, he's named after a virus, isn't he? Zika. Zika, Zika virus. That's not spelled but the same. I thought it was spelt like that, as no. it's spelt. No. X-E-K-A. Oh, I'm thinking of someone else then. Yeah, no, no, I don't know much he about him. He is Portuguese, the midfield player, 28. Yeah. Um, he only played eight times last season. I think he used to get in the team mm. quite a bit. Yeah, not, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to pretend to know much about no, him. No, I don't. I, he's not one who's really yeah. on my radar, to be honest. I think I've seen... I look at a lot of players, yeah. but he's not on my radar. I think I've seen a little bit about him when the free agent list got put up after deadline day, mm. but that's as much as I know about him. Yeah, absolutely right. Last couple on here, and then we're done. Just check the premier comments, make sure I haven't missed anyone off. Uh, don't think I have. Don't think I have. Oh, Jez says, uh, I'll paraphrase, to, so it's just a bit different than what Jez says. Mashiri um, is not great when it comes to football. I doubt he's going to be bothered about what profile group takes our club. The bit that worries me is even if it isn't 777, um, the worrying thing is how few groups seem to be interested in us. Has to be because of the profile of the other investors or the type of shares Bill carries and their inability to did dislodge the ringmaster of our circus. But Bill's only got one point four percent or something, so even if he's got cast iron shares that you can't move, one point four percent isn't a lot, is it? So Yeah, we'll and while it's a worrying situation for everyone, I wouldn't get too caught up on, oh, there's not rumours about other people. If there are other people, then there's other people. It's not the same as a transfer, is it, where the, there's a, there has to be smoke for there to be a fire. I think these things can happen in the shadows a little bit more than, say, player transfers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Publicity stunts and stuff is... Well, you, more... people who normally shout the loudest are the ones who... Are trying to grab the attention because it's not it's not going their way. So we'll just have to see. I don't know, 1.4%. Uh, Gavin says uh, Zeka won the league at Lille when they won the league. Ah. He was playing in the flat team. Yes. Uh, Martin says is Harrison fit? I don't know. He's he is training again. I don't know how far along he is, but the the thought is he'll definitely be available in if it isn't this weekend for Brentford. So fingers crossed. Um, the clay shack says Ned's wearing shades because he knows the seagulls are looking for him. Well, actually, somebody said I look like a DJ, and I just thought I'll I'll take that on. Yeah. Well, you've got you've got the beard and the headphones, mm, exactly. and I think you look properly chilled out. He Ned. does look chilled. You look like you've been at a festival. Well, I, t- I took that look like a DJ quite personal. Why? Why? Because I like it. Oh. Oh. I took it personally well. Oh, okay. Oh, that's normally not normally what personal. Mean there's normally a negative connotation, but that's fine uh, if you took it positively. DJs. Break the mold. The other day, Baz told me he liked me, and I took that personally. You there know you what go. I mean? It's it. It doesn't yeah. really give off what no. you want it to mean. No, no. But fair enough. Now you, you, yeah. you do you. You keep doing you, because we like it. Someone has to. Someone has to, and we like it. So it's good. Um, right. 
We are done. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't. Thanks to everybody who called in. Thanks to everybody who's commented in the chat. Uh, and for everyone who's watched, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a great evening. The 1878 FM podcast is available now on YouTube. Go check it out. Thanks for watching. See you later.